You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are desperately hitting F5, refreshing their browsers to get tickets for WWE Stomping Ground, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back in the glorious early 90s, chronologically critiquing, thank you, OSW Review, Monday Night Raw when it was at its most fraught. And who be we? I be fake Geordie, sometimes radio presenter, general nuisance Tom Campbell, joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage, who isn't hitting F5 to try and get tickets for Stomping Ground or that AEW one. Instead, he's hitting the person that attempted to bring him a pencil because he's the head pen. And he doesn't need a pencil because he uses a pen because he gets it right all the time. Justin Henry is there and he is off of America. How you doing there, Tommy? All good at this end. It is early in the morning for you, so I respect that you're a little bit sleepy. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we've got a two for ahead of us here since we're doing it a little bit differently this week. Oh, yes, because so you're on your vacation this week, aren't you? Vacation. Because <laughs> I was going to call it vacay, and then I realized I'm not cool enough to call it a vacay, so I'll give it its full title. It was almost like you're an alien who couldn't comprehend that word. Because <laughs> I was going to say holiday, and then it means something very different, and it's all confusing. Talking of holidays, apologies for no show last week. Um, I was in deep, dark Wales. Nothing wrong with Wales. Love Wales. Love it, love it so much. Far too many uh, letters in all of its place names. But regardless, um, meant that the Wi-Fi was a bit sketchy where we were, so we couldn't really get the things together. Um, I had problems technically, so that's why it didn't happen. Apologies. We're here now, so shut up. And Justin's there as well. (laughs) Now, Justin, you may remember when I was away last week, I uh, sent you a picture you did. Wasn't a rude one. It was uh, the name of the railway station in Wales that we were up the road from. And I don't know whether in the last week you've had time to look over that picture and maybe get a sense for how you would pronounce this mm-hmm. railway station's name. Tom, next week, I spent a day on the beach. Um, what else did I do? I've done many leisurely things, and I've kind of forgotten about professional wrestling for the most part. 
Okay, so um, do you want to have a go at pronouncing it? <laughs> uh, sure. One moment. Let me just read it in my head. I'm, I'm sure it's pronounced just the way it's spelled, so it should be no issue. Um, you think that, but this is Wales. Lanvire Poli Gwen Gil Gugir Uquern Drab Oli Landis Elo Go Go Gotch. Do you know what? Six on ten for that. That's all right. Um, it goes roughly. You sound like you have fifteen pounds of big leg chew in your mouth. <laughs> See, double L's in Wales uh, translate to a sound, which is why LL Cool J has never toured Wales. Oh, Cool J! Please welcome to the stage, Cool J. It's like Iron Sheik going, hot to it's, it's quite Iron Sheiky, baby. So that was last week. We weren't here. We hope you enjoyed your time away without us. We are back now. And um, we're doing it differently today because we're doing a double header. So we're doing one now and, and we'll do one shortly after because Justin's on his vacation. Where are you going? Just away from all work-related duties. He's going to go hide in a in a in a bunker for a week and not think about no, wrestling. Just a, yeah, just a few day trips, just amusing myself away from the world of having to think. Do you know what? Sometimes that is the best kind of holiday to take, where you just spend a whole week not thinking. I'm a big fan of them ones. They are the absolute best. It's just stress relieving. So when you are hearing this, Justin is having a nice time not thinking. So leave him be. Genuinely leave him be. <laughs> and, he'll, and if you do need him, come through me. I'm basically Justin's answer phone for the week. So anything you bombard Justin with at JRH writing, bombard me instead at Tom Campbell on Twitter. I'm very much in office. You can message me instead. Giving you some Actually, by the time you do this, I'll be returning to work. So this is all a moot point. Oh, will you? Oh, fair enough. In that case, message him all you like. Uh, Justin, where and when are we for Monday Night Raw of this week? Uh, this is the December 20th, 1993 episode. It was taped three whole weeks earlier on November 29th. This was the bizarre taping schedule they undertook where they, on November 29th in White Plains, New York, they recorded the live show that night, then the show the following week, December 6th, and then... And then the following week on December 13th, they taped a live episode. But then the week after that, they taped the episode we're about to watch. So this is this was recorded before last week's episode. God, this is this is enough to give you a headache, isn't it? It really is. And then the two shows after that were from that second taping. So it goes A A B A B B. Do they make it difficult for themselves? Do you think, Justin? I have no idea what happened here. I, I don't understand it one bit. I feel like sometimes they just make life difficult for themselves. I really do. Mm. A big yeah. night ahead, though, which which we are hinted at immediately the moment the rule starts. Yes, we had the recap for Tatanka versus Ludwig Borga. It's a big rematch tonight from because two, two months earlier Borga defeated Tatanka, ending his undefeated streak. And it had his ribs broken with the most vicious-looking bonsai drop ever until we get to the January 3rd episode. When we turn, toward, I turn to Tonka onto his, on his side, and then you have a crush him that way. Evil. 
They actually edited out Borgish chair shot to Tatanka's back. Vince calls it tactics too reprehensible to be seen. <laughs> a chair shot that is too evil. It's like, dude, you can swing the chair on the video game that you sell to kids. Is this around about the same time where the video game came out where The Undertaker would be throwing skulls? <clears throat> that's still two years away. Still, we're not quite there yet. That's fair enough. Tatanka says, you will feel the sorrow from my elders. <laughs> Which is a weird no, taunt. No other wrestler could make that line work. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Um, anybody in the third generation of the Armstrong family? Okay, because the Armstrong curse, I got that. But can you imagine like, like Tommy Dreamer saying that? <laughs> I could if his nan and granddad were in the crowd. <laughs> Could you imagine um, Cliff Compton saying that? I I think if he said it, it would put him on the map. <laughs> He's got to do his dice clay voice when he says it. Oh, yes. you've got to feel the sorrow from my elders. Oh! So Greaser threatening to say that my dad will be sad and you'll know about it. Ridicory talk. Oh! <laughs> Hickory dickory dock, you'll feel the sorrow from my elders. That famous poem that put many children to sleep. Yes, that was the one that uh, offended all the groups out there and got and got dice in Dutch, but uh, made it more famous. We had a um, a nice little bit from Borger in this promo as well, where Borger says that last time they faced each other, I put you in the hospital, to Tonka. This time, I'm going to make sure you stay there. I thought, nice line, but <laughs> I was distracted by Borger's eyeline because Ludwig Borger started this promo staring straight ahead. And it's almost like somebody told him, the camera's not over there, mate. And he turned his eyes for the last bit, stare straight down the camera. <laughs> it's like, uh, it almost reminded me of Crow Cop, you know, right foot, hospital, left foot, cemetery. <laughs> he was a bit Crow Cop, he wasn't he? Yeah, Crow Cop's like this is one of the gold standards for for evil foreign guys that, that the Americans have to face him, Drago, Ludwig Borga. All, That'd be a mean form. stable, that would. Yeah. That is that is indeed a scary group. John, John, nice easy one to start you with. Photoshop John Eiley. Um, who, by the way, last week when we didn't have a podcast. I felt bad because I thought we paid for him for the whole year, so I just sent him some things to Photoshop. Yes, he's a uh, he, he's on call, much like a butler. Very much a Photoshop butler, an Adobe butler, if you will. Um, he bottles well, John. Here's something for you to bottle: um, Crocop, Borger, and Drago as a as a team. As a, t a sitcom team, make it like a sitcom family. That's for you to do, sir. You know, Tom, I'm no linguist, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that the last 15 seconds of, of, of your diatribe there, for the first time anyone's ever uttered those words in that sequence in history. <laughs> That's why many call me a cunning linguist, or words to that effect. So I watched this show approximately nine minutes Maybe my second favorite Raw girl, so I'm guessing the girl in the ring must have been um, quite lovely, and I, I, I cannot remember her at all because it's been nine days. 
But you, but you remembered. You at least remembered what she looked well, like. Not really, exactly. I wrote, I wrote it down. It could have been, I don't know. It could have been like Jenny McCarthy, circa mid '90s, for all I know. I think she was a brunette lady. Um, uh, that would explain it. With like a like a lycra singlet on, if I think I remember correctly. You might be right, actually. It's all coming back to me now. Probably holding up some sign that says "Raw is." Don't forget to buy some eggs from the shop, which makes about as much sense as most of those signs do. Or it says, troll it roll, John. <laughs> he just says, John, John, Bret Hart holding a belt made out of cheese. <laughs> now we've gone meta. We've gone truly meta. <laughs> and of course, Vince has the commentary partner this week. It is not Jim Cornette. It is the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Hmm. I'm no. We'll we'll talk a bit about Michael's commentary um, near the end of the night. I think. I guess we have to uh, critique his his performance on this show. He has holly leaves on the Chiron because Christmas is coming. I like that. And I like Sean that. Is, as Sean is standing next to Vince, I wrote, "I can't believe this is a WrestleMania match in 12 years." It is, isn't it? Just thinking about 12 years' time, I'm sure Michaels is going to be braining the man next to him. And a few that will eventually involve God, will eventually involve a cheerleading squad, involve a reformation for better and for worse of one of the most popular stables ever, albeit in, in, in small form. It, it is quite odd to see to realize that those two are going to be the linchpins of the whole thing. Jeebus, it's so true. Like what if I, if I sat next to you in 1993 and I told you the guy with the mullet is gonna take the son of the guy next to him and shove his face in his ass at WrestleMania? <laughs> I'd say, don't know what you're talking about, mate. But yet we are technically doing that via an Icapro powered DeLorean because what people don't realise is that me and Justin are literally travelling back in time for these shows and we are in the crowd mm. of each episode of Raw. Yes, I have my old Bugle Boys shirt on from fourth grade. And I've grown a mustache just for the comedy value. <laughs> you age very early. <laughs> I'm one of those people that in the in the 90s looked older than they do in the late noughties. That's a lot of people I've noticed, actually. Isn't it funny how that is the case? I know some people who I who you know I was knocking about with, you know, maybe I wasn't, but then my my dad was. Like my dad's a great example. Like my dad in 2019 looks looks better now than he did in 1999 it really is strange it's something something in the air somewhere i have no idea where we come to our opening match the debut of jeff jarrett as he takes on the future just incredible and my goodness jarrett's outfit had to be a rib there were feathers on it it just oh gosh this was this was quite the look (laughs) to be polite he was thrilled he was thrilled out to all hell. I did this, think this must be this must be a joke on Jeff Jarrett, but apparently not. Apparently, he was cool with the outfit. For those of you who are, have never seen Jeff Jarrett in this era, he, they would actually tone it down a little bit over, over the ensuing years. But back then, he had on these had on regular tights, like like long tights, white tights, with this sleeveless top that basically fastened around his neck. It looked like prison bars, the same colors as the, as the bottom tights. And he's covered in these tassels. 
just these long straight like white streamers that makes it makes him look like it should be like a ring coat, but really it's part of his outfit also while he wrestles. He's he's like, he's like the Ultimate Warrior's forearm. <laughs> it's just and, if the Ultimate Warrior's forearm grew long blonde hair, it would <laughs> be Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> he looks like John. Jeff Jarrett as Ultimate Warriors forearm. Off you go. I don't know who said this line. If it was Vince or Sean, because it's been nine days. But I ever, I quoted one of them saying, "Going to use WWE to catapult himself to stardom and then go back to Nashville." And I thought, what to start TNA? <laughs> well, they predicted it. I do believe it was Vince that said that. Oh, see, he knew the future. Yeah. And Vince at one point says, with authority, ZZ Top all the way. Because <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the, uh, the musical fence that Vince McMahon is sitting the side of. Like, ZZ yeah. Top, he's not a fan of country. ZZ yeah, Top that, all the way. That's to the kids that uh, love back then, not, you know, Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots and Allison Chains. ZZ Top. It's a step up from what's his chops, tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> We're at least that moving, is true. We're moving forward in years. Mm. That's the important mm. thing. I can listen to my tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. Vince tells us that Sean... Poor tiny Tim. Wasn't his fault. Vince tells us that Sean's in the rumble. So, yes, we are moving toward the next pay-per-view spectacular, the 1994 Royal Rumble. And I'm very excited about this rumble because I know sort of the, the, the main parts of it, but I know that the... The, the roster is very lean, so I'm intrigued to see. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. I'm intrigued to see how they pack out the Rumble. Uh, wait till we get to the, uh, next week's episode when we see a certain legend come back for the Rumble. Oh, yes. I like how this is Jeff Jarrett's debut. They've hyped him up for two months now. Like, by God, they won't let me in anywhere in Nashville. I'm the biggest country star there is. Let's talk about the politics of the country music scene here in Nashville. J-E-double-F, ha, 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 and all that. And we're discussing Lex Luger in the Royal Rumble match during his debut. You'd be gutted, wouldn't you? Can you imagine during Bray Wyatt's grand re-entrance in WWE, whenever that may be, whether it's on the night on that we're recording this, if all of a sudden Cole turned to Corey Graves and was like, so let's talk about SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar versus... You know, the, a giant squid. <laughs> and here's Prey making his big grand entrance, and he, he has he has Mercy the Buzzard with him and all whatever, and he got the mask on. Guys, let's talk about uh, SummerSlam with, and, and who Seth Rollins is going to face. That's so Do true. That's That that would be incredibly... I hadn't thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, if Jarrett had no vignettes and he just debuted cold like this and they discussed Luger, I'd be like, I guess they have no faith in Jarrett. No, they spent two months filming these vignettes. Oh, that's really sad. That is really. I thought. I thought it was actually because I didn't even clock that with the commentary. But I thought in terms of where they put him on the show, because because that opening bit is always like your. It seems like it's your main event bit in this mm-hmm. time period. Like that's the that's the feature match of the night. So I thought, well, at least they're putting him in the feature match position. To, to debut but then as you say they're just banging on about should Lex be in the Rumble 
Oh, if only there was a phone number we could call, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, very distracted. And um, do you not find that when they finally got talking about Jeff Jarrett, it was Shawn Michaels trying to tell one really long story about Jeff Jarrett, but because the match is happening and stuff is happening around it, he keeps getting interrupted and all the flow just dissolves. As much as I love Shawn Michaels, and, and, and will insist he's one of the most charismatic and intriguing talkers in the history of the company, uh, this show is not his finest hour, and his voice may be a little bit raspy. It, it's funny how in, in the live bits, as we'll see throughout this night here, when they show him and Vince at the table, and he sounds like Shawn Michaels. I mean, he has that he has the obvious Texas draw, but he's, he's very high-voiced and you know, very, very full of vigor, full of life. And then, when we come to the recorded bits on this Monday night that are being inserted live into the show, he's much more hoarse, much more raspy there. Uh, as if I forgot I was doing this today, and I was out a little earlier today. And well, let's just say that I hope this is I hope this is the fastest hour of my life. Let's just get through this. <laughs> I'm not saying Sean had a rough Monday. Some people do do flourish better in either a live environment or a recorded one. It's like it's like who is this Hank Williams guy who replaced Sean on on the commentary portions of the matches? <laughs> do you notice at some points as well his mic was louder? Didn't so much rear its head during this match, but it was during later matches where I just thought, you know, as as we've talked about here and many other shows, they are still rife with technical blunders on these shows. Ninety three has not been a good year for them. I will say though, Jarrett has one hell of a finish, and he he only, he only did it in this era. And I'm kind of, I kind of wish someone would bring this back. It's a running leaping DDT where he has the opponent stunned, runs off the ropes, runs up, grabs her head, and throws his feet right out and just spikes him with a DDT. It's a great-looking finish. It looked really nice. And I, I was trying to remember if if he does this again. I think he must only bust this out a couple more times. He does this for a bit afterwards, I think. Maybe until maybe some point in mid-'94, he starts doing it. He goes back to the figure four because no one was doing it at the time in the company since Flair was gone. But, yeah, this DDT was fantastic. It looked really good. I'm a big fan of a uh, of a spicy DDT as a finish, and that was a very spicy DDT. I I think PJ Walker, just incredible, got a little too much offense in this match, but I thought it was fine for the most part, other than commentators ignoring the match in favor of Lex Luger. You made a really good point to me on uh, Messenger in the run up to us sitting down to record this, which. In, you know, when we talk about how Shawn Michaels and Vincent Mann, future WrestleMania opponents, the opening match is a future WCW champion versus a future ECW champion. Uh, yeah, and it's... Of course, it was a much different gimmick. Jarrett would become the slap nuts guy who swings guitars at people. And, of course, P.J. Walker became just incredible, the five-month champion of the year 2000 for a dying ECW feeding with his old lightweight rival, Jerry Lynn. Where life takes you. It really, really is. It's very bizarre where life takes you. It's nice, but either way, it was Jeff Jarrett's now in the house. Whether or not we like his outfit or not, he's very much in the house. 
And we segue into the Lex Luger 900 number. Should he be in the Royal Rumble? Boy, they love these 900 numbers, don't they? They are really rinsing these 900 numbers, aren't they? Well, you got to make money any way you can, I guess. And I, I mean, it was. I mean, this is a slightly better subject matter. Yeah, it is a bit more sensible. It, it's uh, you're trying to determine Lex Luger's popularity, and given the fact that he co-won the Rumble, I'm guessing the uh, I'm guessing the poll worked out to a heavy degree. But that but that'll all change when the Rumble comes to an end, as as we'll, as we'll see. Where Vince changes horses midstream because they're hoping the Luger is going to be the guy who goes into mania and and does what he didn't do at some point that's win the belt but as Dave Meltzer would say um plans change <laughs> it's like he was here um I'm not sure I would have done the commentary or discuss Luger during um you know Jared's debut match I used to love listening to Meltzer on the on live audio wrestling, where inevitably it would be, is this guy gonna do a debut for for WWE? And he'd go, um, I mean, he might, but he might not. <laughs> yes mean, or no? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he should, but I mean, I, I think he might. Nor do I know <laughs> if he will. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Meltzer on the witness stand that any trial would be <laughs> I think judgment's clear mistrial right then and there and just send everybody home <laughs> but it's a murder trial I don't care about I'd rather have him on the streets and just listen to this <laughs> love you Dave you're the man love you Dave men on a mission versus the jobber dream team of Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy Oh, they have no, I'm, I'm liking Gill and Hardy as a team, like the blonde mullet friends. Yeah, they're the greatest jobber tag team ever. Either them or the monkeys. So we have I like them. I like them. So we got men on mission in Santa hats. Sean says I can't stand his music as Vince cackles. We had a moment that we had. We had a movie that made that music only to me, and, and I, I smell a John Photoshop here. Vince pronounces Oscar's name in a really unusual way. He goes, let's listen to Oscar. Yeah, why like... Why pronounce it like, almost like... <laughs> I was thinking of different intonations you could pronounce Oscar. Obviously, the Japanese the, the, uh, the Japanese wrestler, uh, formerly known as Kana, Oscar. Um Obviously, Oscar, which is his name. But then my brain sort of went, is he trying to say ASCII? As in ASCII code from off of the computers in the past. No, I think you're just calling him the emperor of bad rapping. Oscar <laughs> comes out waving the arms and looks like he's rapping or trying to rap. I don't, I don't know. Just I'm, I'm picturing Oscar... I'm picturing Asuka wrapping Mabel and Moe to the ring, and it's actually better. John? Is there a... <laughs> He's earning his money this week. Is there something as J-pop rap? There has to be. I mean, there has to be something like that. They have a much more pleasant aesthetic to it, I'll say that. Apparently, this is, this is a special Christmas rap, but Christ, you can't tell. 
I yeah, I I I listened again and I was like, it doesn't feel obviously that Christmassy. Mm, no, I, I think Hanukkah is more Christmassy than this rap. Well, either way, there were there were Christmas hats, so that's fine. You want your bizarre stat of the day? I would love my bizarre stat, stat of the day. Commentator Vince McMahon, Jobber Dwayne Gill, and wrestler Mabel were all in the 1999 Royal Rumble match. Oh, yes, they were! Because Vince won the match. Mabel made his return in it, and Gilbert was in it before getting shoved out by Edge. Oh, my days. It was, wasn't it? Oh, that's funny. It's like two different worlds. Jeez. The, oh, I, I love this point in wrestling, and this show seems to be packed full of things to look forward to. <laughs> For bizarre reasons. Uh, Vince has possibly the best quote of the show when he says, Gil and Hardy have had some success here in WWF. What? Is there a backstory I don't know about here that they, they actually won a match? Come on, this is this is pre-Gilbert. So Dwayne Gill is just mulleted, giant forehead, ragdoll for the for, for the actual push dressers to throw around. <laughs> what success are we talking about here? I'm I'm not sure. They're quite creative with that. Some of the premier talents here, Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. I think it's more the fact they just keep turning up, (laughs) which makes them somewhat of a success. They found the arena on their own, and we gave them the wrong direction, so obviously they're a success. (laughs) They've defied the odds. It's at this point in there that I wrote, Sean sounds funny. Is this where he starts getting louder? A little bit, a little bit gravelier. Almost Muppet-ish. Somewhat Muppets. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know whether... is This would this would have been... This wouldn't have been live, this bit, would it? No, no this part would have been live. Because I, I, I couldn't quite place when the live was coming in and out. Any, any part where they're on camera or like doing like a ringside, uh, you know, two shot or whatever, that part is taped, obviously, because that, that was taped the night of. But when they're off camera and, and, and the audio quality changes just subtly and Sean all of a sudden sounds like he's gargling razor blades, that part is live. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, Sean, uh, as, as, as I alluded to earlier, may have had a rough Monday. <laughs> he may have forgot he had to do something that day. Oh, <laughs> hell. <laughs> I think he has, thank God there's no visual element to this part. Sean comes in. He's he's got he he calls at one point. An entire tin can falls out. We got a cool spot here where uh, Mo hits an arm drag on one guy and Mabel leg drops the arm. I thought that was good. I thought I thought that I I'm being very nice to Mabel and Mo because it's easy just to rag on them because they're just two fat fluorescent lads, and it's in 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 a world where we're we're trying to establish some stars. There has to be some good that comes from him. Yeah, they had a lot of cool tag team moves where it's like Mo would do like the first part, and then Mabel in his sheer girth would finish the move, and the crowd would always react big to it. So they had that going for him. 
they hit a double, or Mabel hits a double bulldog on both jobbers at one point, which had to be a, a somewhat horrifying move to take. 500-pound Mabel propelling off the canvas and grabbing you by the head and driving you down. This is why Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill are getting the, the, the rub that they deserve. Yes, the appreciation for everything they do for this company. Vince goes into a segue about a pie-eating contest in Argentina where a guy died. They did a couple of weird topical things this week that, oh, that stood ever. out to me. This was one of them. Even worse when Jacques Rougeau on next week's show has, has has to play along with it too, and he's. I look forward to the day where they're not just aggressively shoehorning this stuff in. <laughs> it might take a while. I know. I'm very aware that it could be a long time. The more irrelevant they get, the more they try to be relevant, and and don't know what relevant is. Well, when I was trying to claim the Cardi B, get her to wrestle at SummerSlam. Good luck oh, with that's that. True, I did hear that. <laughs> She loved wrestling 15 years ago. We, we need her. It's one of those things where, as a, as a wrestling journalist, you will just bite on that so hard because that's that's big. Like, oh my god, somebody relevant likes wrestling in pop culture. Let's be their friend immediately. Hi, John Stewart. <laughs> exactly. So Mo works the arm nine minutes into the, into the squash. Well, not really nine minutes, but it felt like nine minutes. It felt like about hundred. This match should have been like. 20 seconds in and out and done. But it did feel like it went on for days. They're trying to fill the show. Man on the mission finishes with a reverse DDT by Mo, followed by a second rope splash from Mabel, which should, which should be a finish on its own. You know, DDT is not really needed, but it was what it was, and it's kind of a wonky match. It was there to showcase Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy as one of the best tag teams <laughs> With with a lot of momentum behind them. It was like a super Dave Osborne sketch where you just watch them die over and over again. <laughs> we get the Royal Rumble report with the super awesome John Tesh-like music. Oh, do you know how happy I was to hear the Royal Rumble music? I think they should use that even now. I think they're still relevant. I think they should use all four classic themes. Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. We need the hard-driving guitar for SummerSlam. We need the saxophone for Survivor Series. We need the keyboard synthesizer thing for the Rumble. And just the power metal guitars for Mania. You need all of it. Just I think I think to heck with whether or not it feels current or not. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a cool aesthetic that they have. And, no and, I, and I miss the Rumble music very much, though. It is a classic. And speaking of classic, we have the announcement of the casket match for the WWE Championship, Undertaker versus Yokozuna. And Taker is building a custom casket in his workshop, which is apparently somewhere in like Salem, Massachusetts, where they burned several witches 300 years ago. <laughs> we get to see it later, don't we? Uh, yeah, it's such a cool shanty Taker has here. It is like a very eerie setting, how or where they have them at. It, it's not like some in like you know like factory or warehouse somewhere. It, it, it's like an actual like Middle Ages or early colonial America sort of workshop. It does feel like something from the Wild West. I thought. Well, there's that too, and it, there's like a ton of smoke building in and out because it's very uh, 
he lives in the catacombs of the world. He doesn't live in like you know any town in the USA. He has a neighbors on his lawnmower, riding mower while he's while he's putting a casket out in the yard. Hey <laughs> <laughs> Taker, sup, Bob? Imagine being Bob living next door to Taker. That's a very safe neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you know you're gonna be fine with the Undertaker having such busy having such busy business. It's like the story, I don't know how true this is, of the guys who broke into uh, Dolph Lundgren's house and tied up his wife. And it, and as they were rummaging through stuff, they realized that uh, they saw the photos on the wall of him with her. And they asked her, how do you know him? He goes, that's my husband. And they all fled. Oh, my God. I can believe that. Imagine Drago coming home at that point to fight you. Blimey. She was all right, though, wasn't she? I think she was fine. She was just shaken up by the yeah. incident. That was that was like years ago. Start remembering that. Uh, Intercontinental title: Razor Ramon versus IRS. Because Razor has two feuds going on at once. He's multitasking. IRS wants the. He has the. He has his. Has Razor Ramon's gold jewelry in his briefcase still, and that's enough of a reason for them to have a championship match. Uh, yes, yeah, so I. All I gotta do is just steal somebody's possessions that who who has a belt, and then you get a shot a shot at them. That's how it works. Exactly how it works. So basically, you uh, hack into Becky Lynch's Twitter and change her password, and you keep the password on you, and they like you you asshole, and then you you, you get a shot at her belt. <laughs> I wonder if somebody can maybe there is a story in that. Somebody hacking into into Becky Lynch's Twitter to say I'm Becky Lynch, and I would love to fight. I'd love to fight this particular person for the belt. And that's how they get the title match. <laughs> that could work, actually. Becky tweeted it. <laughs> her her to somebody from Anonymous. <laughs> In the Guy Fawkes mask. <laughs> and to, like, oh my god, it was uh, Kaylee Burchill the whole time. Oh, if it was Kaylee Burchill, that'd be fine. Just someone that totally out of, out of the blue. It was it's, James Ellsworth all the time. It's Cherry. Crowd doesn't really react. <laughs> you know, from Dune to Domino. I'd like to point out that is the second Deuce and Domino reference we've had in this podcast. I have to ask you, Justin, have you been paid off by Deuce and Domino to give them some love? Mm, no. <laughs> we'll see. A domino rep. If, if we get another one by the end of the show, then I'll be. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Asking questions. At the back of money next to me. <laughs> so we had the. Uh, they plug the Rumble match. Of course, Lurie's being denied entry. But we do have nine entrants and a special Casio clock for the Rumble. Yes, we're down oh, the yeah. sponsor era. Dr. Uh, Todd Pettinger was really plugging this Casio clock. When this Casio clock counts down, Casio clock, Casio clock, Casio clock. Clockier than other clocks. <laughs> a good bit of money, though, so, I must admit. That's a nice little... Um, I wonder whether in 2020 the Royal Rumble clock could be sponsored by Fitbit. Counts their steps but the rest of make to know, the ring. But the problem is, you know, you have guys laying around during a match who are going to be in for 40 minutes, and all you keep hearing people get up, move around. <laughs> so far, they have nine names for the Rumble match. Why not 10? I don't know. Something like that. Nine, Bro. 10, 30. There's a number of them. Yeah. It's Brett Owen, Mabel, who are the next three King of the Rings. Uh, Sean Diesel, Crush, Kamala. Yes! For some reason. Bringing back the big guns in Kamala. Oh, hell yeah. It was. Got Doink the Clown, who they announced as the original Doink. As if. And Scott Steiner, but not Rick Steiner. Oh! What's Rick Steiner done to not deserve to get in the Rumble? He knows what he did. <laughs> Naughty boy. So then we get the Borger promo where I make the crow cop joke in my notes. Right leg hospital, left leg cemetery. And then Sean makes a Shannon Doherty reference just to date the show even further. <laughs> Sean, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> this is... He's living in 1993 like everybody else on the show is. Thing is, right, Sean, as a commentator, when he when they did the halftime show for NXT, he was all right. So he will get better. Well, I mean, he's in a better place in life today than... That's very true. He's a much more responsible adult today. Now we come to the true... Tonga versus Ludwig Borga. The Tonga's ready to fight. In fact, he kicks ass in the early going of this match. Just immediately out of the blocks. Just a beast. Beauty of a crossbody during the match, I thought. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because what's what's Borger's big move when he starts the match? He he walks across where the bell rings and punches you in the face. The Tonka, ever the aggressor, as soon as this match starts, does not let Borger get even even an inch in the. And of course, Borger comes back after that. He hits this authoritative diving clothesline. He just starts punching the Tonka in the corner, gets a scary-looking right hand. Then he hits this really cool move where he has the Tonka cornered and charged down with a diving crossbody while he, while he's trapped against the uh, the turnbuckles. Just basically just 300 pounds flying right at you. But then the Tonka no sells that and starts fighting back. And I'm like, this match rules. It was really good, and the crowd was super hot for Tatanka as well. I thought that was amazing. He oh, came across as like this baby face with fire. He he, he, he starts no sun, starts kind of dancing a little bit. He's dropping Borga. It's the it's it's his overpowering baby face comeback. But lo and behold, here comes Yokozuna, and he's got Fuji with him. We get this bizarre spot where Yoko has. Where either referee's tied up with Borger being down or Yoko being at ringside. And the Tonka goes to the top rope. Yoko or Fuji hits him with a flagpole, and there's this bizarre camera edit where it cuts to this grainier footage. Almost like like this low quality shot of Fuji hitting, hitting him with a flagpole. I don't, know if, I don't know if you call it this or not, but it's like they made a bizarre insert for for the I, clip they used for it. I didn't actually spot that. I saw... I'm going to... I'm just currently on the network now, and I'm just refreshing um, my like, memory on, on the bit that you saw. It's like, visually, it was like, you know, crystal quality every time, but then when they showed Tatanka up top of Fuji hitting with the pole, all of a sudden, it's like this... Almost like they zoomed in on it, and it... It distorted the quality of, of the visual. It was... I don't know what happened there. Maybe it's something... I don't know. Maybe something, maybe something peripheral kind of uh, was inappropriate for TV so they had to like, zoom away from that. I, I, I don't know. It's, it is strange, though. I'm just taking a look now. So I'm just watching him climb up to the top. Well, then I'm fin I'll finish up this match while you now do that. Uh, up there. Ah! I do see what you mean. It almost cuts to like a weaker camera, very briefly. Yeah. I wonder whether that's just a glitch with the with the footage they've got left over. Because I can't see or think of anything that would have happened around then that would have caused them to edit like they did. Yeah, it's just really, really strange. I, I, I don't get it. So then you hit the ring for the DQ, and then Luger, who is now finally figured out how saves work, hits the ring and saves Tatanka. <laughs> well, you say that, but we didn't see whether or not he did high-five anybody on the way down. I mean, to quote Meltzer, he might, he might not. <laughs> he runs in, he beats Borga up, has the big stare down with Yoko. He gets his sort of slam on him. That, that it was, a, a it was enough of a slam. I like that. That was a nice callback. That was a nice little match and post-match there. So it, and it, it once again establishes, like, the crowd still love Luger. The crowd are really hot for Tatanka. And um, we've still got Americans versus the Allied Powers. What, what? Not the Allied Powers. What were they called? The Foreign the Fanatics. Axis. The Foreign <laughs> Fanatics. Yeah, the Allies were the good guys, Tom. That was us. <laughs> wink, wink. 
Obviously. Davy... <laughs> the Tonka was the prototype for Davy Boy. That's it. I remember, yeah, he was. They were, they were the first Allied powers. So Sean and Vince are having this little row on commentary. And Sean says to Vince, you've never been a champion like I have. I know who's that. Cause it, hell, that'd be preposterous. What a silly idea for him. Think about it. Oh, my gosh. I've just realized that a former ECW champion in our opening match was calling the an ECW champions match. <laughs> oh, that makes me really sad. And then you had Mabel in 2007 as Big Daddy V challenging for the same belt. Oh, my God. This is like a weird ECW 06 hybrid show. I don't like it. It's like the funhouse mirror of Paul Heyman's dreams. <laughs> so Captain Lou's here for some reason. Right, I realize now, because this is a thing where Lou Albano just seems to wander out and then like do not do very little and then disappear again. So therefore, <laughs> does that make Ca Captain Lou Albano the Lacey Evans of 90s WWF? <laughs> I was going to say, like, the Gary Busey of WWF. <laughs> no, definitely Lacey Evans. <laughs> Picture Super Mario in an oversized hat. One, two, I'm coming, I'm marching for you. It does feel a bit like... Um, he. It does feel like he just walks out and no one's really got the heart to, to send him away. So they just announce him. <laughs> it was like when Bobby Hughes said in the Hall of Fame speech. You get Captain Lou who refused to be fired. <laughs> it's a bit like that. <laughs> but I'm happy to see him because it's Captain Lou. Oh, he's, oh, I'm always delighted to see him. It did just feel like he just wandered out and they just went, oh, okay, we'll just roll with it. <laughs> they added it to the bit. So we got Adam Bomb versus Mark Thomas. A jobber rushy has a better physique than Adam Bomb. Mark Thomas was a good Nick, to be fair. He was put together for for sure. Albana tries to recruit Adam Bomb. Come on, I'll team a crush. You'll be called Chronic. I have a vision. <laughs> I want to hear I want to hear Captain Lou and Sean on commentary together. I'm sure that'd be a riot. Like, oh I don't know. Um, I think it would be hilarious, but I think for all the wrong reasons. Well, that's. I need, I need something. It's week three of a taping. I, I need something here. It does feel very week three of a taping as well, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. Well, Harvey takes issue with uh, Albana trying to court his, court his man. And Sean's asking why Lou's here. I'm kind of with Sean on that one. <laughs> I imagine people in the production truck are asking why is Lou here? <laughs> It's at this point that Vince falls to Sean's level and goes into this absolutely bizarre commentary while Bomb is fish-hooking Thomas's mouth, which is illegal in UFC. <laughs> Vince tells us that Mark Thomas is a Barney fan because he's wearing purple tights. And then, and then Sean goes on this rant about Barney scalping tickets and starts slurring his words. And I wrote, this is my favorite Sean performance ever. Whereas if you call, calling Barney a con man. Vince got offended by that. Stop you that. can't say that about a beloved party. That, that's slander. <laughs> Can I picture Barney in a suit in court suing Shawn Michaels for slander? Well, 
I can't in my mind's eye, and nor can you, Justin. If only there was someone we knew that could bring that image to life. I just want to hum John. Barney is the plaintiff, Sean is the defendant. If you could, please. Thank you, John. <laughs> I, I, I have the people's quirky in my head now. Then, 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 this is the plaintiff, Barney. A children's entertainer who did not actually educate children, but instead taught him how to sing and dance. He's upset because Shawn Michaels, former future WWE champion four times over, said the derogatory things about him, accused him of being a ticket scalper, and you hear the type of Barney, plaintiff. This is the defendant, Shawn Michaels. I'll bet Shawn in his state right now could also imagine this. I'm hoping that he, I think he was picturing it mainly. Like fear and loathing in white plains. <laughs> that is a beautiful image, and I think <laughs> I love this show so much because <laughs> I can't I can't laugh as heartily as I normally do because I lost my voice on Saturday night and it's only just come back. But believe me, I am genuinely laughing as heartily as my voice will allow me to. (laughs) Forget the the match. Bomb wins with the Adam Smasher. Who the hell cares? Picture Sean involved in heavy litigation with a purple dinosaur. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Ooga! Awooga! Oh, what's that noise? I recognise that noise. That is the sound it makes when a zero out of ten cage match review comes in. Who do we have this time? Oh Tommy? well, since he has been doing such a sterling job on commentary, I thought we log on to cagematch.net and find a zero out of ten review for Shawn Michaels, one of the greatest of all time. We're slagging him on this show for his interesting commentary performance, but my God, is he the greatest wrestler? One of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You say that, but NJ, this is his name. This is not. I'm not being rude. NJP. <laughs> I read that one. NJPWFAG. That's the one. Did you do that one last week? Yes, we did. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, two weeks ago. That's okay because the headhunter has also chipped in. And what did the headhunter have to say about HBK? I think HBK is pretty good here and there. But to be honest, he's really overrated. He gets the greatest of all time name a lot of times from a lot of people. I don't see why. He's had some good, maybe great matches with Taker, but also some real bad ones with Kurt Angle, which is regarded as one of the best matches ever, By uh, but my opinion differs. One of the most overrated matches ever was Razor Ramon, and his matches with Bret Hart weren't good either. His character could also be cringeworthy at times, going a bit too homoerotic in places, which can oh, be well. kind of irritating. He was also involved in many backstage politics too. Yeah. So th- that warrants a zero. The headhunter is the headhunter is straight. I think he'd like you to know that. I think he wants you to know that he finds the homoerotic thing sometimes goes a bit too far, but he's perfectly comfortable. Well, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion. Of course he is, and I'm entitled to mine. <laughs> well, I suppose if Sean can slander the dinosaur, then maybe uh, 
headhunter can slander Sean a little bit. There you go. We are in this beautiful circle of slanderation. But I, I will not allow slander for this next vignette, for this next great American oh. who is on his way to WWE for what turned out to be a 15-year tenure. My days. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is Thurman Sparky Plug, or should I say Thurman Plug, but my friends call me Sparky. This is, in fact, Bob Holly. Am I the only one that when he turned up and said, as you just said there, I'm Thurman Sparky, I'm Thurman Plug, but my friends call me Sparky. You can call me Sparky, too. I just went, I'm going to call you Thurman, mate. Don't want to call you Sparky because I'm not your friend. (laughs) This smiling, do-gooding race car driver would eventually become the no-nonsense rougher-up of rookies the world over. Hardcore Holly. What humble beginnings. <laughs> I, w- I will say, I interviewed Bob Holly once about three years ago. Nice as c- could be, very friendly, very insightful. But my God, is it unnerving to see him smiling and happy. <laughs> like, I-, I get that he's a down-to-earth guy in real life, but <laughs> I'm so used to just the roughneck Bob Holly who... Will chop you so hard your areola flies off three counties away and just beats you into oblivion. That's the Bob Holly that I enjoy watching the most. And this this is this one not so much. This is happy go lucky Bob Holly, and it's just it's disquieting to see. I mean, I I get that he races cars in real life. Also, he actually is an experienced stock car driver. <laughs> but because that's where this gimmick came from, because he was a stock car driver. Yes, he's a, he's a very blue-collar man, Bob Holly. He's a, he was a welder. He was a race car driver. You know, the, the guy can do anything with his hands. He's, he, he's an outdoorsman to, to this day. He's, a, he's like a survivalist. Bob Holly is a man you want on your side in the rough situation. But you couldn't tell that with this gimmick. He's just, well, gee, golly, gosh, uh, I might crash. I might not. <laughs> It felt a bit a bit shoehorn when he talked about when the green light goes down and a pump pedal to the metal and da, 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 and I'm gonna come into the ring and when the referee puts the green flag down I'm gonna put my pedal to the metal. <laughs> he doesn't know how to wrestle clearly. The thing is, there's no there's no edge to the character at all. Like like here's a guy who used to take a death sport almost. You know, this is some. This is a vocation that requires some guts. You got to be a tough dude to you know, drive a race car and, and take on that kind of a, you know, uncertainty out there. And that's that's sort of, you know, you need you need steel nerves and a cool head in order to pull this off. It's like, well, by golly, I'm having fun here. Do you like, think maybe you know, this the whole promo should have had a bit more of an edge to it? Okay, okay here's an example. Follow me on this. Okay. <clears throat> Hi there, friends. I'm Ken Shamrock. Sometimes I go into a cage and I put people in holds and try to make them tap out. I have fun doing it. It's a challenge. But when when the bell rings in the WWF, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go full gore to my opponent and see if I can't get the tap out there also. It's like, <laughs> can I do one? Can I do one? Can I do one? By all means. Hi there. I'm Kane. 
And I'm the brother of the Undertaker. And I like when things are on fire. Except me, sometimes I'm on fire and I don't like that. But when the bell rings, I'm hoping to metaphorically set my opponent on fire and then set you on fire, my friends, with my big wrestling moves. Now, I'm not making fun of Southern accents here. Tom might be. No, not even, not even making fun. I'm making fun of Thurman Plugs accents. I do live below the Mason Dixon, so I have no room to talk. And, and I know someone called Mason and someone called Dixon, so I'm all right. I know a Dixon also. Yes, we know the same Dixon. We do. I mean, same Dixon. We do, yes. I'm, I'm going to say far be it for me to make fun of somebody's accent. I do that same Dixon. That my... same Dixon was nearly threw a ball of fire into my face at a wrestling show. Well, you probably deserved it. Pro- well, I was just doing my job and commentating and saying what a baddie he was being, and he came over to me being all angry. Well, I don't blame him. Well, he was, he did just as well, just as well. My but... mate Primate was there, otherwise I'd have decked him. I'm saying the point being is that Bob Holly, a character who would demonstrate some edge over the years didn't demonstrate it here because it was the, the era where you couldn't have any teeth of what you did. And he, and, and he, he's just, and if Bob Holly, if we know him well, he's not a G golly goth kind of guy. Absolutely not. I feel like this could have been improved by him walking out of a burning wreck of a car. Yeah, that'd be cool. Have, have, have him spit out some chalk. Like, uh, still be a bit, be golly gosh, I'm Thurman, call me Sparky. But he's doing it as he's getting out of a burning car and they're screaming. And like a dog runs up to him and he just picks up the dog and throws it over his shoulder. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is half Super Dave Osborne and just half outright sociopath. That sounds like a great idea. He walks out of the burning wreck, spits out a big thing of chalk. Third time this week. <laughs> Ugh, I hate when this happens. Gee, by God, God, by golly, I'm Thurman Plug. <laughs> Just something that's some, something other than hi, I'm a race car driver who also wrestles. That's wonderful, Bob. But then that Happy is that you. is the remit for WWF at this point. Hi, I'm X, that I'm also a wrestler. Yeah, and it would get worse. At least Bob has. Where well, the race car driver has something where he's, you know, I, I guess you can call it, you know, athletics, even though he is driving a car. But that's, I will say that you never see uh, that, that many out of shape, out of shape guys driving cars, do you? Well, no, because you got to get in the car, haven't you? You can't be too, you can't be too much of a of a big lad if you got to get in a car. I, I, I suppose not. I'm not. I'm not up on the finer points of motorsports. I will admit that. So we get we have a re-air of Owen Hart's challenge to his brother Brett. Once once he him one on one, just to prove that he can be on his level and even surpass him. And Brett is both disgusted by Vince's checkered suit and and by the fact that Owen would even lay down this challenge. Brett turns it down on, on base of just moral principle and does not want it to come to this. So we get the slow burn. I like this. I like building a match with the guy saying, "I don't want to fight you." I think that that doesn't happen often enough. I can think of this and then Kane and Undertaker, where the whole premise was you're being horrible, but I'm not going to fight you. Yeah, I'm not going to fight my own flesh and blood. Yeah, I love that. I love, love, love that. If I can contrast that real fast, when Christian turned on Edge in 2001, remember when he attacked him with a chair and then slammed the King of the Ring trophy down on on his guts and he yeah, snapped. I remember. 
like two weeks later, like like Edge was taken out from that attack. Christian just doing a single thing for a bit to establish him as a heel. Edge just runs in and beats him up with a, with this maniacal smile on his face. It's like, you see, that's why Christian beat you up because you have no empathy at all. You're just a crazed guy who people like. You didn't, you didn't care about his feelings. You like this should be like like Edge just like fretting over my own brother did this to me. Oh my god! And no, they they skied out past all of that and just had Edge be a douche. Yeah, there was there was no there was no sadness about the fact that it was his brother. It was just his brother now just became yeah. another opponent. No empathy, no you know, no regret, no mournfulness, ruefulness about any of it. Just all of a sudden, like, okay, we're fighting now. Yeah. But this was nice, <clears throat> anyway. Nice slow burn to brother versus brother. And that's a big reason why it worked, is because they did build it slowly. We got Owen Hart versus Mike Bell. And I, I believe the referee here was Joey Morella, which is, this is kind of sad, but we have three men in the ring right now whose lives in professional wrestling ended very sadly. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Mike Bell, of course, had the... It, it, it was concussions, right, repeatedly. He had, he had many issues associated with his years in the business. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of mental trauma. And his brother did a documentary on him. Yeah, my, yeah, the Mike Bell one, I think it's on Netflix, isn't it? It might be. It was on there, and yeah. I mean, my mom and dad aren't wrestling fans, but they... I had a message out of the blue from my mum the one day that just said, do you know Mike Bell? It's like, why is my mum messaging me the name of a, a enhancement talent from the 90s? And then they said, oh, he's on this documentary. He's a wrestler and he um, he got badly beaten up and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was him. I remember it now. But um, yeah, what a, what a, what, how sad is it that that is the recall factor for Mike Bell? Well, that and the Perry Saturn match. And that, yeah, where Perry Saturn just lost it with him for dropping him. Yeah, we got Owen, we got Mike Bell, and assuming it was Joey Morella refereeing, which I think it was, then Morella will pass away the following year in a car accident while coming back from a WWE tour. Jeez. And it's uh, adopted son of Gorilla Monsoon. And, and, and I can't remember who said it, but he said Monsoon was never the same after that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that was the the Morella thing was what tipped him. I see. I see. Remember the first time I was aware of Morella was when Gorilla Monsoon and Johnny Polo were on commentary together, and mm-hmm. and and Johnny was really grilling. He was saying, "Oh, I'm not a fan of these new referees like Joey Morella. They're no good, are they?" And Gorilla's just just like being quiet. But you can tell he's saving, and Johnny's just giving him the ribs, saying, "These new guys, these new referees, they're no good." <laughs> Events were used to rib Joey Morella a lot, also back in the day, because because he knew obviously the connection. Just see, see, maybe see if we can get Gorilla to maybe break character a little bit or whatever. Just have a little fun. So Owen gets his nice kip up bridge at one point, and it, it, it's just Owen showing off all of his uh, technical skills in this match. Nifty heads was the drop bell on his head, which maybe in hindsight, would, I want to say that was a cool move, but no, we know now maybe it's a little cringeworthy. Yeah, a little bit. Vince and Sean play up the whole Owen is in the shadows story. Vince promotes this movie called Wild Card. Boy, what what timing on that? <laughs> um, yeah, consider. I wonder whether this is the 
this planted in his head. And then that night on Raw, when he walked out, he remembered this movie, which is good when you think about it, because he could have gone out there and gone, we need something new for Monday Night Raw to liven things up in 2019. What about st- silk stockings? I'd be down for that. Everybody puts on like a uh, melon-colored suit jacket and white pants, and they go out and solve crime. That's it. Everybody wears them. I'm a genius. This is good. Sure. <laughs> Imagine Braun doing that. He wouldn't even need a gun, of course. He just threw Bob Holly's car at you. <laughs> so Owen finishes with a sharpshooter. Bell actually taps out. It's kind of an odd squash match, but I guess they were trying to show that maybe Owen was a. Uh, Maybe not quite as strong as he claimed to be, just kind of man paint him in a little bit of a darker shade. I think that's what I think they wanted to make. They, they had him doing quite a, a, a his own offense, and then obviously the sharpshooter, which is Brett's offense. They can't make him look as great at the sharpshooter as Brett is. They can make him look like somebody who can do the sharpshooter, but not quite like Brett. Like he did all the Brett moves of Doom in the lead up to it, which I thought was a nice little rub. Mm-hmm. He's looking good, but he's not looking too good. I guess is the point here. But I like that. That's that's a good. That's the that's good. You don't want him to look too great because that means that when the inevitable happens, it, it catapults him. That's true. So we go to Taker's workshop. We're in a nice callback. They had the Kamala casket on display. What should have happened was the casket should have opened. Kamala walks out. He says, where am I? Paul goes, you're in the rumble this year. And Kamala walks off. <laughs> yes, please. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> I, w- I will say for a workshop, there's a lot of smoke in there. Like I was very concerned about that because, I mean, I'm looking at Undertaker's workshop and I'm treating it like a regular business. And mm-hmm. that would have set off smoke detectors. It's like the mystery machine of businesses. <laughs> Do you know so what I Tigger... funny, though, that Undertaker, whilst being a spooky wrestler, is also running a legitimate business? Well, so the Godfather. Yeah, but the Godfather, that was part of... <laughs> there was smoke involved. <laughs> there was a lot of smoke involved, from what I understand. Um, <laughs> but it's the whole idea that the Undertaker is this creepy guy who comes out and fights people. But then there he is, sat there, working on a casket, which we assume is the Okazuna one. But it could have just been an order that had come in. So, like, during the day when he's not wrestling, he's he's got a job to do. Like, he runs a business. <laughs> he's a cabinet maker. <laughs> this will be ready by Thursday. I like to think like, Monday Night Raw, he wasn't on Raw very often because Mondays would be where he'd have like major meetings with the staff and go, okay, so year on year casket sales are down. We need, <laughs> we might look at changing some of our wood providers. Uh, Ian, can you get on that today? Uh, <laughs> now, we need to build a double wide, double deep casket for a friend of mine, um, which I'll need ready in two weeks. I know it's not much time, what with the Johnson account coming back in again, but I'd like it if we could all really club together, maybe do a couple of late nights. Obviously, I'll pay you double time and uh, we'll we'll get everything done and we'll be out on time. Now, let's crack on with the week. After three, one, two, three, rest in peace. We've outsourced our call center to FMW. <laughs> Hello, The Undertaker. How can I help? 
You ordered a casket, yeah? Well, it's normally seven to ten working days. Uh, you know, they've got a big order on at the moment with a double wide, double deep one. So it might be a little bit longer. My problem with this vignette is here's Tigger filing down wood with his eyes rolled back. And I'm like, where's the safety goggles? <laughs> I do not trust that man to make me a cabinet if he keeps rolling his eyes into the back of his head. All the, all the measurements are going to be squiffy. <laughs> John, John, can you please show us Undertaker making a really bad cabinet? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> What's he working on today? Uh, Sean wanted the new ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> What's he working on today? He's just been playing in that same bit of wood for three months. <laughs> I whittled a rocking chair out of a bigger rocking chair. <laughs> You're just wasting time, are you? Yes. <laughs> Come on down to Undertaker's Casket Store. Tigger whittles. <laughs> take take your whittles. Sail now on. He just sits on the front porch whittling like little wooden like like animals out of out of, out of these blocks of oak. Tells stories. I would say about the time I died and floated to heaven. <laughs> I remember the time I broke in the pallbearer's house. Actually, that's true. Because spoiler, he will die and go to heaven. Um, what will happen to his business? Is there like a, a relief manager that comes in from another branch to keep it ticking over? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's George Bailey from, uh, <laughs> George, come quick. Tigger's put in a casket by 10 guys and he floated to heaven. We've got 15 wow. orders to put out by Friday. Well, by gosh, how was to take over the business? That was a real plot of it. It's a wonderful life. With Vince's old man Potter. George Bailey, you're in enough trouble already. <laughs> I can't it's laugh heartily, but I am laughing heartily. It's a phenomenal life. <laughs> With Paul Bearer's Clarence. <laughs> Look, it's on fire. It's Christmas Eve. It's always on fire. <laughs> So we go to the Head Shrinkers versus Philip Paulo and Jerry Seavey. Oh, and Jerry Seavey, Jerry, Jerry Seavey has my new favorite job to look. What is Jerry Seavey wearing? My, he looks like a lollipop. <laughs> he looks like a member of Journey. <laughs> it's just, I, okay. I mean, I, I'm not on the inside with this. I'm still waiting for that fateful day that. I get a phone call and get a job offer with WWE. That might be a nice thing. But when the enhancement guys turn up, if they haven't bought their trunks, is there like a lost property bin that they go through to pick out what they're going to wear? Because <laughs> this very much looks like he turned up and realized he'd left his gear at home. So he had to go and find like bits that people had left <laughs> from previous shows. He found the guy next door who went to when is one of the rockers for Halloween? <laughs> it's an odd look. It's an odd look. So Samu beats both guys up. And CV, I don't want to criticize a man's wrestling ability. I'm not Brian Alvarez making fun of that guy, that, that NWA TV jobber. He's, he's been ragging off for the last two months. 
but my guy was Jerry CV bumping horribly in this match. CV's not great. It's um, no. it was. I think one bit like he really did look like a member from Journey. He got his face raked on the rope, and he sort of dramatically walked across the ring and went down onto one knee. I thought he was about to burst into a power ballast. <laughs> his skin went their separate ways. <laughs> so he's he's bumping horribly off of a, off of a double clothesline. He's, he's it's all wonky and then. Crabby bump off of a body slam. And that's when Vince decides this is a good time to talk about Donald Donald and Marla Trump's marriage. This is a bizarre show. This is, isn't it? With Trump's getting mentioned. Future president of America. <laughs> this, is, this is beyond surreal. The spinning savat kick hits CB right in the jaw. Just, his shirt gets torn off for something. We get to see that he's not Mark Thomas in the physique department. We get an unsafe-looking power bomb. Followed by a double skull-crushing finale, and then the Simone Splash finishes. And this is when we learn that next week on commentary, Vince will be joined by the Quebecers. Oh, good, because that's not going to be a mess. And then Johnny Polo will wrestle Marty Jannetty, based on an angle that was done two months ago. And it's subsequently forgotten about. So next week, we also have highlights of the Alundra Blaze Heidi Lee Morgan Tournament Final for the women's title. Just highlights, not the match. Razor's in action, Luger's in action, Janetti versus Polo. And then we see what Sean sees, which is cartoon reindeer flying across the screen to end the show. They felt, this felt like the most shoehorned Christmas mentioned in since that Men on a Mission rap, because it was almost like the show came to an end. And then that thing went across the screen, that Santa went across the screen, and Vince Coe went, Good night, Owen, happy Christmas, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> like, I forgot it was Christmas. <laughs> Friggin' Scrooge. <laughs> this was recorded months ago. I don't know where we are. <laughs> I saw a reindeer. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, so, is this the end of the tapings? Of that taping, yes. Yes, because you could tell this was very much we're just milking this last bit of taping <laughs> footage and then we'll do some new stuff. It felt a bit... I mean, there was there was stuff in there that kept things ticking over. Like, the what they... Do you know what I like? Like, the Lex Luger stuff, there's less of it because they realised they spent all summer ramming him down our throats. So they very much eased back on Luger, which I think will help him, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, they're also still hoping that he does burst through and becomes a star that they're hoping he uh, hoping he is. But um, yeah, you get the sense that maybe that it's just not going to work out the way they're hoping. You hope? Yeah, I hope they figure it out with him. <laughs> Spoiler, I don't think they will. <laughs> so are we here to grade Sean on the uh, Bartlett Heenan scale? Yeah, we've got to put him on the Bartlett Heenan scale. Um, I'm putting him closer to Bartlett. Um, to be honest, I don't know what you've got score-wise. Well, like his in-ring work, we, we've watched Shawn Michaels in his poorest of states pull out great performances. Uh, this, not quite, I wouldn't call this great, but he was, he knew the storylines. So there's that. Like, he knew what was going on. He had a sense of awareness about him. And he was genuinely attempting to put Jeff Jarrett over. <laughs> I feel like he, he he fell out the backseat of a cab five minutes before he went on the record and had to be dragged into the building. But my God, he, he performed decently enough. 
I'm going I'm to give him a respectable six and a half out of ten closer to Heenan. Okay, well, I was going to be a bit politer and give him a six. Give him not, I was not as polite and give him just a six. Okay, so we... off that half, but we'll sit in there, sort of closer to Heenan than to Bartlett. But uh, I'm I'm sure the Quebecers will expand the Heenan Bartlett, the Bartlett Heenan scale next week when they turn up. Well, since we've already seen that show, we know what's coming. Oh, that's very true, actually. <laughs> So you get a double whammy this week. So um, thanks for listening this far. Keep an eye on the Coldaholic podcast feed because you'll get another one. Because we weren't here last week, we thought we'd be with you twice this week. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Double your pleasure. <laughs> double your displeasure, double your fun. <laughs> he is at JRH writing. He may or may not be on his Ollibobs, but tweet him anyway. I'm at Tom Campbell. Together we're at Cultaholic. I love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 